Today's podcast is sponsored by Doit. Reduce your cloud spend by improving your cloud efficiency with Doit, an award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS. Find out more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Kristina Devochko. I'm Michael Levan. And in this episode today, we have Leonard Palke with us. And we're going to be talking about being on Kubernetes release team. So, hey, Leo, thanks for finding the time to join us today. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. I'm good. Awesome. I know that Michael has been on the Kubernetes release team for 128. I guess it was your first time, Michael. But you, Leo, as far as I know, you have been there six times on the release team. Is that correct? Yes, for a bunch of cycles. For 129, I'm not part of the release team. At some point, I mean, you you go from role to role. Uh, at some point, you need to move on, I guess, also to like other communities, for example, to the tech, to CNCF. But the release team is awesome. The folks are awesome. I come back every now and then. It's it's great to be there. So I'm curious, how did you got there? Being part of the release team six times is quite great and that's a good proof of that you liked it there and I guess it worked really nicely but how did you end up there to begin with? I started and I'm still studying but I started like midway through my bachelor's program I was interested in in cloud and things like that and Kubernetes was just like something you always hear as a buzzword but you never really encounter it at the university because it's not established enough in the universities and you just need to probably be at like some company to actually use Kubernetes. It's not something that you study. So I was very curious about that. And I learned about open source and uh, learned about that this is like community driven. And then you can actually be part of this community. So I was uh, just interested in joining that and I found the release team. So this was more or less my story. I'm talking with my colleagues about Kubernetes. How can you get involved in open source? And then I found my way to the release team. And the release team has like a program where you can jump from role to role, from cycle to cycle. Um, so this is actually what I did. Um, so there, I'm not the only one who's been part of the release team for six or more cycles. This, there are a few folks, actually. Some folks, maybe even longer, actually. But yeah, this was my starting point. Very curious about open source, where to get started and uh, jumping from role to role. That's definitely an important piece there for everybody that's listening. If you're in university or if you just got out of university, jump into the communities because even though it's extra work and you're probably already bogged down, that little bit of hustle while you're in university or right when you get out, it's going to help you a ton throughout your career in general. Because, uh, you know, Leo, to your point, you wouldn't have known this other world, right? If you were, you know, just focused in university, whereas jumping into the communities, understanding how it works, it gave you the ability to like broaden your horizons, you know, outside of school and such. A hundred percent. Like all the open source fields and also the cloud field, which is not really part of not that much of universities programs uh, as far as i know at least at my university there was like something on the side but it's not like a subject itself so you kind of miss out out of this awesome cloud field so open source is like a great opportunity and on top of that um, the cloud native field is very welcoming so you can get started there are a lot of programs 
I mean, it's still a lot of work, but you get also a lot of support if you're very interested. So it's a great opportunity. And I guess a big challenge for those who are studying and start to think about getting job, getting a job right after studies is quite challenging because many employers do request some kind of relevant experience and an education is not always enough or in many cases is not enough. So I guess being part of the open source community and also contributing to open source projects gives you that experience that is a valid experience that you could use when you haven't worked uh, like officially before at, a, at any relevant roles. So the nice thing about open source is that you can contribute to like a wide range of things. So you can do actually like code contributions. You can also write documentation. You can host meetings. You can do podcasts, video recording, something like this. All of this is like community work or something like connected to it. So you don't need to be actually a software coder developer. You can contribute like to a wide range of things. And I think this is like very interesting because this can also be like a good opportunity for yourself to find like the role where you could be most effective in work later on. So this can be also like a trial company period, so to say. So you join open source, you test out all those different roles, all those things. Uh, you do some debugging, some meeting hosting, something like this. And then you have like a better point of view of yourself, how you can function in these roles. And then you can make just a better decision and hopefully be a better software engineer. Which release teams were you on? I started 1.23, I think. Yes. Nice. And were you on like all enhancement or was it like, did you switch like various teams uh, within the releases? I did not switch too much. I started in CI Signal, um, which is a team um, to observe test grid. So there are like thousands of tests uh, running in Kubernetes. And uh, this is like just a dashboard where you can observe all of them. And it's about detecting failures, which are kind of easy to detect because they're just red, but also <laughs> to detect flakes and things like that. And then just digging into the issues, finding out, okay, where's like the commit that introduced this bug, which is sometimes very difficult to find because it's such a huge code base. And it's not just like Kubernetes, Kubernetes, the repository, but also like connected repositories. So sometimes, I mean, it may also be like a Go problem or it may be like some library which we use. So this is like a, I think, a very challenging role. Uh, and it takes a long time, I would say, to be really good at the role. And so I was part of the CS Signal team and then I was the CS Signal lead and then I was lead shadow. So maybe for context, there are in the release team a bunch of teams. So we have CS Signal, one of them, Enhancements, which you just mentioned, the second one. But there are like more, so docs, communications, release notes, bug triage, and I think that's it. So a lot of teams where you can start off as a shadow. As I said, like in the beginning, depending like in which team you end up in or which you apply to, your work is kind of different. So CS Signal also has like some code knowledge which would be good to understand like the errors and stuff like that um, but for example communications you don't need to write any code so depending like where you're most interested in i don't know if you want to review blog posts or uh, things like that communications might be a better role but i was saying uh, just at cs signal but always glanced at the other roles and you said that now you're thinking about going into other projects in the cncf at some point because the release team as i said there's like these roles and you progressed through these roles 
at some point you just have all these knowledge so you move on because at some point uh, you just contributed for a couple of cycles so you move on to another project to support there uh, and i moved kind of on to the cncf side where we have technical advisory groups we started a new technical advisory group around our environment sustainability and with that we are in touch also with other organizations and also with other projects so there's like also contributions but more on like a abstract level so to say i would say yeah what i hear a lot in general from folks who would like to start contributing to the kubernetes project typically what comes up is that it is really overwhelming and scary for many to kind of start contributing for instance with code so was this something you have done before you got into the Kubernetes release team? Is this kind of something that is a requirement or is it a smoother way to get a better understanding about the Kubernetes project and maybe its code structure and how things hang together and at the same time do contributions like in the shadow role, for instance? Yes. So contributing to communities is not straightforward. It's not just opening a PR. There's like a big process behind it, uh, which is also needed because there's so many people working on the project. You need to have like some workflow to actually make sure that the next release is also a stable one and so on. So it's not, not that easy. Yeah. I was not first contributing to Kubernetes itself, uh, actually contributing to the release team or being part of the release team was my starting point. And I think this is like something which is also intended in a way to the role. It gives like a good introduction to the processes behind Kubernetes. So if you know a little bit more about how we actually deal with releases, you can also, it's easier for you to actually make a contribution because you understand, okay, this is now, uh, I don't know, after code freeze. So, I mean, no PR will go through anyways, for example, things like this, or you need to First, reach out to a SIG, special interest group, and write a cap. And then um, you can be qualified actually to make a code contribution after that. So knowing these processes helps definitely a lot. And also knowing the people and asking people for advice. Because, I mean, there's like a lot of people in the community's community. But if you have like a specific problem, whom should you ask? <laughs> there are like so many people, but you want to be a little bit more specific maybe. So getting introduced, first of all, to the processes helps and then knowing some people so you can also ask questions and then you're kind of, I think, set up um, quite good to make contributions. But you don't have to go through the release team. Um, the release team is just like a good program um, for you if you want to know about these things. But you can also just join meetings and just stick around and then you will also learn it over time. We heard a little bit about like the tasks and what you overall did in the Signal team. But you, Michael, you were on the documentation team, right? Yep. How was your experience? Like, what did you do? How was it? Yeah, it was good. Um, I think that the team dynamic is really cool. I think the ability to see what's kind of going on in the project is really cool. The biggest part of the docs release team is essentially to just ensure that whatever is being created or updated from a documentation perspective, whether it is, uh, you know, new documentation for like an alpha build or whether it's an update to existing documentation, it's pretty much just to confirm that like what's being released is, you know, as expected. 
um, you know, w- w- whether it's again, updated documentation, new documentation, even documentation that needs to be deleted, you know, like anything that could cause any type of confusion, uh, you pretty much just have to check with, uh, whoever's running that particular update is, you know, Hey, is the documentation up to date? Need any help, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it was a pretty cool experience. I think for, if I were to do it again, I'd probably like to go on like the enhancements team or something, you know, we're doing more of the engineering work than anything else. You know what I actually just kind of popped up in my head. There's docs on how to get into the release team and, you know, different processes and stuff. But I feel like a lot of the time people are asking, Hey, how do I kind of get into this? Right. But like, how do I do it? How do I, et cetera. So Maybe we could talk about that process a little bit and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the steps, what I took at least were essentially number one, reaching out on the Kubernetes Slack channel, like, Hey, you know, thinking about doing the release team, how do I do it, et cetera. And the, the biggest piece is step one, uh, a couple weeks before a new release is going to get started there's going to be like a Google doc that gets sent out. And I believe the release management Slack channel in the Kubernetes org, correct me if I'm wrong there. Next, fill out the doc, uh, you know, fill out the application, et cetera. And then after that, you'll get a Slack message on the Kubernetes org, you know, from the shadow lead saying, hey, you got in, et cetera. It's a pretty straightforward process, but I feel like the process isn't like documented anywhere. Today's sponsor, Doit, can help you with your cloud challenges. Maybe you want to maximize your cloud use while controlling your costs. Perhaps the issue is balancing resource utilization while delivering agile IT. Maybe you just can't get good support from your cloud partners. Doit can help. An award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS, Doit works with over 3,000 customers to save them time and money. Doit combines intelligent software with expert consultancy and unlimited support to deliver cloud at peak efficiency with ease. The Doit team knows multi-cloud, cloud analytics, optimization, governance, Kubernetes, AI, and more. Work with Doit to optimize your cloud investment so you can stay focused on business growth. Learn more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. If you want to be part of the release team, we have always the application cycles. So midway through the release cycle, the release team is assembled. So after the cycle is done, this window opens again. But there's not like always like a specific time because releases always shift like a little bit. So exactly. You need to be looking out for some messages, which we send uh, in community Slack, seek release channel, but also over Twitter or LinkedIn or some other media. But yes, you need to be kind of watching out for that. There's like an email list for Kubernetes, so the dev email, and we also sent an email there, but there's like a lot of emails, so you need to look out for the release team. And yes, you need to fill out like a survey where you need to enter like some details because we get always like a lot of applicants and we need to make like a decision to have like a good team, a diverse team who can handle the release cycle and also always want to have like some new folks in the team who can just test out the waters, not just like experienced people, but also like a mixture of completely new folks, experienced folks and things like this. I mean, it's like, I think kind of challenging to get in 
um, the release shadow program at first, but after maybe you need to apply like uh, two times or three times, but after you get in and if you like it, the chances that you can stick around are much higher because we always also accept like returnees or people who have already been part of the release team. And I think most shadows test it out once. They have like good experience. I mean, it also takes like three or four months. So it's also a long time, which should be part of just one cycle. And then they leave the team, maybe go to like another SIG. I think if you're like a returnee, the chances that you can stay on are much higher. Since you mentioned you get many applications and that you may need to apply multiple times, like as quite an experienced member of the release team, are there any tips that those who are doing it for the first time could utilize to stand out a bit more or is it just basically about having a bit extra luck than the others <laughs> who submitted <laughs> sometimes it's just a little bit of luck if you don't get like a certain amount of applications per team or if you get like a lot of applications per team depending on that the chances just change obviously so it, there's always a little bit of luck but there's in that like how many people apply but there are like a lot of questions in the survey as I said, and you can obviously put more time into that. If you want to fill it out quickly, you can fill it out quickly, but you can also put in a little bit more time and explain maybe why you're really interested. And this does not need to be like, I want to be like the biggest community contributor, but usually if you apply, you have like your own motivation behind it. And it's always good to be honest and write it down. And I think this already goes a long way. And then you can also join one of the open SIG release meetings, for example, just ask questions. It's always good to see that people show their faces before the cycle starts. So we have a little bit more confidence that the folks are actually interested and want to be part of the release team because we also need the help, right? So cutting the releases is a lot of time. And there are always like some folks who cannot make it through the entire release because of all the things that can happen, personal things, but maybe also work-related things. But we need always like a set of people just to support the release. And this gives us more confidence if we know, or if we have like a higher confidence in advance that these folks will stick around, that they could be like a good member of the release team. The next piece here is the working groups. So in terms of, you know, getting started with the working groups, like, you know, currently I do a lot of work with the platforms working group and I am starting some work with the CNOE working group uh, for all the IDP stuff. So in terms of getting started there, which is really cool, right? Just kind of go into the CNCF Slack channel and go into a working group and be like, hey, I'm interested in this. Uh, where can I get started? And that's been like the biggest thing for me because uh, I've asked people like, hey, how do I get started? And people will be like, you know, hey, just join a meeting or whatever. That didn't seem like the best approach to me. Uh, the best approach to me was more just like reaching out, being like, hey, I'm interested in contributing to this working group. Uh, where do y'all need help? And, you know, I got... A bunch of messages which was great that's been kind of my experience there so luckily i think thinking about it overall between the release team between working on various working groups or wgs as you'll see them uh, in the cncf slack channel the best way is just to kind of jump in you know be like hey i'm interested in this you know and there's a lot of people that are receptive you know a lot of people are going to be like yep 
we need the help, you know what I mean? Here are the things that we need. And so I, I, you know, again, going back to what we were talking about originally in the beginning of the podcast is there are so many different ways to jump in, whether you're in university, whether you just got out, whether you're 20 years out of university and you want to, you know, get into open source and play around with new technologies and be part of a team and stuff like that. There are a lot of different methods to do that when it comes to CNCF. When you start, you always need like some person to just guide you a little bit. Right. So for myself, I had one colleague at work who just showed me kind of the way to the release team. And then I applied and then I got in and then I kind of found more folks to help me finding <laughs> my way in the community. But if you're like entirely on your own, it can be a little bit more challenging to actually find like the first connection point. So if you have the chance to, for example, go to one of the conferences or one of the like also local meetups, this can also be like a good way to just get in touch with some folks face to face. And then you have like some connection point or you can build this up joining meetings and so on. So over time, you also feel more comfortable working with certain people. You also know a little bit more about the community, but yes, I think the like the first step can be a little bit challenging, and because also open source works a little bit differently than regular work has like their own dynamic, uh, especially also the Kubernetes community or CNCF community, which is I think very open, very transparent, but it has like a little bit different like how the communication flows. I think it's a little bit different than company. Um, I think it's better, to be honest, because like if you have more transparency, you can also contribute more. Or you can learn more about like the actual processes. So I think it's more inclusive. So which is a good thing, but maybe people need to be a little bit more adjusted to that. Also, the way how we communicate. It takes definitely a little bit of time and dedication. It's not something which you can just cross off after a week. So programs like the release team shadow program which go over months can be quite nice because you stick around for a longer time. You have like a, also a dedicated role. You're not like a random person in Slack. You're part of the release team, which can be quite nice. And you also have like some mentorship with the lead and with the release team lead also. So I think these structures help a lot to find your way. And I think it's important to not just, I'm like very strong supporter of not just showing the success stories publicly on internet and everywhere in the community, but also talk and be open about failures. And I applied for Kubernetes 129 release team and I got rejected. And this is my message to those of you who are listening and would like to try, for instance, going through such processes where the space, the amount of spots may be limited, where there may be a chance that you will get rejected. Don't give up. This does not define you as a person. This does not define you as failure. My plan is to keep applying until I get in. So when the 130 release team application comes up, I'll be there. I am not afraid about talking that this happens. We cannot always get in, but there are also other ways like Leo and uh, Michael mentioned in the community to get in. You have a much more freedom to join the working groups, the technical advisory groups, and just start there. And this can be your way of becoming visible. And if you are following some of the CNCF ambassadors, which all of us here are in the yeah. today in this episode, <laughs> this is actually quite cool. If you're following or just check what CNCF ambassadors are there on the CNCF website, 
Don't be afraid to reach out to any of those you see on the list, the ones you may feel more secure about, and just ask them those questions because I hope that you agree. You can, of course, object, but I feel like all the ambassadors that I know at least are very open to answering questions and also helping other folks to get into the cloud native and open source community. So don't be afraid to do that. Maybe also one thing to note about like contributions, you can always, and I think Michael, you also said this, you can write just in chat, I'm here looking to contribute, where I can get started. And usually there's like somebody or there is I always, or there should be always like somebody to pick this up. And usually they drop like some message where you can just dig into issues or just discover like a bunch of things where you can contribute to. And then it's a little bit up to you, like where to contribute. And this can also be a little bit um, challenging. So you have like a first entry point to the project. Uh, you have like a list of issues. You can start contributing. But it's open source is a lot also about self-managing your work, self-managing what you would like to get out of open source. So there's not somebody who will tell you you need to contribute to this or that. Maybe at some point you will be part of a role you have like a role and there's like some expectations from this role that for example you host meetings so you do that but everything which go beyond the role description and at the starting point you don't have like a role in the community uh, it's very much up to you how you define the contributions so i think this can be good for a lot of people but maybe not for everybody and um, so just need to remind yourself you need to have like a long breath in the community. You need to uh, contribute for a longer time, stick around, and people will help you on the way. I think it's actually a great way to learn overall time management and drive and determination as well, right? To your point, Leo, like when you're contributing to something, especially open source, nobody's holding your hand because it's, you know, it's one of those things where you have to be the one that wants to do it. And at the same time, you know, nobody's getting paid to be like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, so, so at the end of the day, like it, it can actually teach you a lot, I think, just about like life as a whole, right? Like how to be driven, how to be determined, how to figure out what type of mission you want to be on overall in your career, time management. There are a lot of great life things that can come out of contributing to open source. <laughs> Quote me on that. <laughs> you have this framework where you can do all those things so as i said like in the beginning in the communities community or like in every other community which has like a certain size i mean if you have like a very small project you don't need to have like huge community work because maybe there are just three people working on it so it's a little bit excessive maybe but at huge projects like kubernetes you can actually do more or less like anything so it's like basically like a town and you can shape it out uh, like you want so for example also with the tag we started the cloud native sustainability week and this was just like some idea which we thought about at kubecon and we get the support from the cncf and from the community to do that but there needs to be like somebody from the community to actually drive this but you can do it imagine yourself like okay i have this great idea to support the community or i have this great idea to write a feature in Kubernetes, you can actually do that. You just need to have like a long breath. Oh, I think that was a very powerful message lining up our conversation towards the end. So I think this is, this is great. And I hope that some of these recommendations and reflections can also help all of uh, our listeners out there that may be considering to start contributing or have already started their journey to continue on doing uh, that and 
challenging yourselves to to do that. There you go. Yeah, and 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 one last thing I'll I'll pop in is uh, what Christina mentioned before. If you go to apply for something and it doesn't work out, keep trying. I myself am a uh, two-time rejected KubeCon speaker, two-time rejected Microsoft MVP. So, oh. <laughs> so no, but you know what? It's fine because like it's you know things are going to happen like that in life, right? And you have to be the type of person that is either going to brush it off and keep it going, or you know you're going to kind of crumble underneath that, right? So you know, hopefully you'll be the former. And yeah, so really, really good stuff. Yeah, so just wanted to mention that really quick. Cool. So. At this point, uh, anything that you'd like to plug, any blogs or tech or content or anything like that, please feel free. I mean, we, we already mentioned the tag a few times. Um, so the CNCF Technical Advisor Group for Environment Sustainability, which is like another community where you can also start contributing to open source. Um, I think there's also like a very low barrier of entry. We always give our best to be helpful and to find things um, new contributors can do. There are also other tags. Um, so the tag Environment sustainability is just one of many. There's also one about storage, security, app delivery, runtime, network, contributor experience. So depending like where your focus is or where you would like to also dig deeper, maybe you want to help reviewing, for example, like a white paper or a blog post. Um, I think this is like a good um, starting point to open source. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really do appreciate it. Some great information. And thank you everybody for listening. Thanks a lot.